On Friday, we celebrated a very important anniversary. It's one that perhaps isn't on the tip of our memories, and I will admit it wasn't on the tip of mine either until I saw a Facebook post by the uh, Vatican, I forget which uh, Facebook page it was, but it announced that it was the anniversary of the start of the First Council of Nicaea. Now that might not mean a whole lot to us until we start to think about Nicaea, Nicene, and indeed in a little bit we will announce again the creed that came out of that council, the creed that helps us to understand more fully who Jesus Christ is and who God the Father is, the relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the relationship of the Holy Spirit uh, in regards to that. And of course, that creed had been modified by a further council of Constantinople and, and uh, the, uh, shortly after, I forget the exact year, 1,000-something, uh, there was a clause that was added, uh, the, the so-called filioque clause, that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, fili, Son, que, and. That creed came out of a particularly desperate time in the church's life where there was a debate on who is Jesus Christ and how is he really related to God. And much of the church fathers, many of them, had begun to believe in this heresy called Arianism, pronounced by Arius himself, who said there was a time when Jesus was not that Jesus was not God, but had been adopted or, or whatever. And so how was this all to fit? And they gathered together in Nicaea, 325, starting on May 20th, and discussed the issues and came to an understanding. In fact, uh, the story is told, it's probably not true, but it's a great story all the same, that the debate got so heated that St. Nicholas got up and punched Arius in the nose. Now, not true, but I love thinking about that. And, and we know that at times the, the theological debate got so, so heated that that could have possibly been the outcome. And we might say, well, what, what difference does it make? It's only words, but words lead to practice, and practice leads to salvation. So if we don't have the right words, how can we believe? And if we can, don't believe, how can we live? And if we can't, don't live this faith out, where will it lead us? And so the church fathers hammered out the definitions that Jesus Christ was begotten, not made, and that he was consubstantial with the Father. So a few years ago, when the new translation of the Mass was released and we restored those, people were confused. Well, why are we going back to those kind of words? And it's precisely because the church fought over them and understood that, as already said, words lead to belief, belief leads to practice, practice leads to eternal life. And it was, that wasn't the first time, though, that the church had to hammer out certain issues. In fact, today in today's first reading, we had the first, what some might declare, the first ecumenical council of the church, although the church in its very young stage, it would be difficult perhaps to call it an ecumenical council. But we hear of the trouble that was stirred up by some who went out 
without any mandate from the apostles, and started to proclaim that Gentiles, those who were not born Jewish, who were not entered into the Jewish covenant through the act of circumcision, had to be circumcised, and therefore, and what all that that meant, had to live lives in, in conformity with the Jewish law, the kosher laws. That caused a little discomfort. Not the discomfort of physical discomfort, for those that uh, can imagine what circumcision might uh, feel like for adults, but is this really necessary? Is this really necessary? Because after all, and we hear that in the, the verses preceding this, how God's Spirit was moving among the Gentiles, how acts of faith and, and love and miracles were happening among them. How could God's Spirit be working among them if they were not saved? And if they were saved, how were they saved without circumcision? And so the church gathered, and they discussed, and they came to the understanding that circumcision must have been able to be set aside, that it was not giving themselves to the covenant that was made and uh, signed by circumcision, but the new covenant that Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection had raised, the new covenant that we ourselves are entered into in baptism. This led to great rejoicing because the faith in Jesus Christ helped them to believe, helped them to live, and helped them then to find eternal life. But for that time being, their hearts were troubled. And ever since, of course, in the Council of Nicaea or the Council of Jerusalem, Church councils have been held to answer the questions that have risen, that have caused problems. Think of Trent with the Protestant Reformation, or revolt as some might call it, and how there was a counter-reformation necessary. What do we as Catholics really believe? How do we address these issues that are being raised? Time and again, the Church has turned to not only ecumenical councils, but turned to her faith and asked the Holy Spirit, what do we believe? How do we believe it? How are we to live? And today in this gospel passage, we have Jesus telling us to rely on the advocate. I love that image, advocate. In Greek, it's paraclete. And para meaning beside, clete, to call to. The paraclete is the Holy Spirit, the one you call to your side. The advocate of course, is a Latin uh, of that, foca, call, ad, to. The best image, perhaps, that we might be familiar with is an advocate is a lawyer. Somebody you call to your side that will help you, give you the words to speak, give you the words to uh, help find freedom, perhaps give you the calm to stay quiet. A few uh, weeks ago, I was watching a little video on, on uh, law and lawyers and all that stuff, and the number one rule that uh, lawyers will tell you, especially in a criminal proceeding, is keep your mouth shut. Because as soon as you open your mouth, something could be taken or used against you, especially if you're innocent. 
and you start defending your innocence a little too much, they might read into that. So the advocate is one who helps us, keeps us calm, keeps us with the words that we need to speak and only the words that we need to speak. The Holy Spirit then, as Jesus tells us, does not let our hearts be troubled because the Holy Spirit is there present with us. And he reminds us of all that Jesus himself has spoken. In fact, in the church councils, we can see that. We can see that being active, that they're reminded of the words that Jesus spoke. They're reminded of scripture and they put scriptures together to help us enunciate our faith. What does this all mean for us? Well, as the church councils have shown, sometimes there's trouble that comes up in our life. The question is, are we relying on the Holy Spirit? Are we calling the Holy Spirit to our side? In the next two weeks, of course, we have a lot of stuff happening literally in our, in our parishes and our dioceses. We're so pleased to have two from our, our parish to be ordained and a, a third one from uh, uh, Basel area. I keep forgetting what town he's actually from, uh, Deacon Nathan Hansen. But, but, we're, but not only that, but we are preparing to celebrate Pentecost the presence of the Holy Spirit being given to the apostles. And that Pentecost doesn't mean anything to us unless we call for the Holy Spirit to come again. And so starting Thursday, perhaps in a, in a special way, even though we've moved the celebration of Ascension to uh, next Sunday, but starting Thursday in a special way to join in the, what was the first novena, the nine days between Pentecost, or be, between Ascension and Pentecost, to ask the Holy Spirit to come upon us, to fill us with life anew, to help us, calm us, give us those words to speak, not only to calm our hearts, to show forth Christ's mercy and Christ's love, but to help us to know how are we to live, how are we to live this belief that we have, that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he suffered on the cross, died, rose again, that he gives himself to us in the Eucharist, that he invites us through this Eucharist to eternal life? How are we to live? We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. So in these days, let us ask the Holy Spirit to dwell with us.